Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where Super Metal Brother Dan doesn't talk to strangers, because they'll always bring him down. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. <laughs> well, I think we have to get into that we've hit almost uh, June, which means two things. One, we get very close, in fact, next week to review Jimmy Borgia's album, but more importantly, Super Metal Brothers share their birthday in the same week, Danny. Yeah, start of June, which actually I think might be a Sunday this year, which means we'll be recording it on our birthday. More but, importantly, we should definitely do something that uh, you know, warms the cockles of our cold, bleeding hearts, and maybe we can pick out a, a retro review that uh, we need for the fans to get into. You know, we've done some albums this year, and I think now getting closer to our winter, which means uh, the summer for... Um, the you know the European style and generally their winters are far more brutal, colder, and more satanic than ours. So getting their music now will be pretty good for us. Yeah, exactly right. It, it continues on that like angeriness and that the um sadness and sorrow because you're right. They record right in the winter. Yeah. And then the, for the time they release it, it's our winter. So, and, wow. And fits. this week we've gone all the way to Belarus. Yet we've asked our favorite uh, dictator Vladimir Putin as. Uh, what uh, metal should we uh, check out this week? And he said, well, we've got some neighbours, right, that you need to check out in Belarus, that Bella, Bella Russia back in the day, right? But that's another story. And he was saying, you know, these guys called Seminar Tatum? No, sorry, Fatum Semitar. Sorry, oh, Fat, yeah. Fatum Semitar, right? Uh, the album we had to Google Translate because everything in, on this is from a Russian propaganda site. It's identical to Facebook, but I guess the way that it can be monitored by the uh, the government there. Yeah, so I hope we haven't like add, been added to like, any like terror watch list now because now we've decided to join the like Russian well, Empire. We're gonna we're gonna spread our Gorgachev friends over there with the idea of Flesh and Roots. That's the name of the album from this Belarus band, 2018 release. I think it came out early May. Uh, it doesn't matter because you'll hear our thoughts about it and hear what it's like to be on the side of the world that, uh, well, you know, maybe the sun doesn't quite hit as much because it's quite a dark record. Yeah, no, definitely. Some of that, you know, um, Chernobyl fallout might be helping fuel this album. Maybe indeed. Maybe we need our own Chernobyl. Maybe I need to talk too much. What about uh, the question we asked this week to our fans, our podcast question this week, where um, bands who have changed their sound too much. So they started mm. off doing one thing and then they did something else. Now, sometimes this works in their favor. Sometimes bands uh, get more popularity from making it sound much more commercialized or maybe more easier for the masses to digest. And sometimes it just upsets the diehard fans too much where it's like you've completely lost track of who you guys are, your sellouts. It belongs more in a karate movie than in the metal scene. Yeah, just like the new Transformers movies. Terrible. Terrible. Change of vision too much, man. Yeah, but this is like the change of vision from the cartoon back in the 80s too much. I mean, sure, half the time it was a product placement, you know, to get rid of the, like, the whole entire old cast to get new cast to buy new toys. But there are awesome toys and um, Unicron was an amazing antagonist. Exactly right. Should we uh, move to the news story? So yeah, let's move yeah. on to the news story. Sharon Osbourne talks, uh, he, she actually trashes the UK popular music festival saying it is full of effing poses. She's taking aim at the Glastonbury Festival, and according to our favourite redhead, actually, I think I've got a lot more redheads I like more than her, but I digress. All these festivals now have a comedy tent, and there's this tent, and there's that tent, there's different foods and everything. It's not just about the music anymore. Whatever. Um, she doesn't like the guys there. Um, scenes change. Maybe the uppies have taken on board with it. We've still got Download Festival. 
no real problem, I guess. Well, exactly right. It's not our scene. I mean, it's the same as Conchella in America. All the, like, the yappies and uh, no, influencers of the That's world right. want to go to a music festival just to say, I've been to this place. But it's just like a mixture of everything. Like the band, there's no like rhyme or reason with the bands playing. Like mm. you have, I think Perfect Circle played and you have Paul McCartney playing as well. And she's right. Like they have pop-up restaurants. They have like comedian tents. There's just... It's it's not it's not about the music. The music's like a side part of it. It's like you being Concello, you being Glastonbury is the thing. The yeah. music's like oh secondary. Well that's the thing. It's they think if we get the things that sell the most amount of money in their different music scenes, what about we just smash them together like a really bad omelette and uh, give everyone a try a taste of it? Yeah. Um it must make money because I mean even if your favourite band in the day there's gonna be there, you'll go and even if you leave for the rest of the time, they've already got your cold hard cash. Um What's the what's the issue? I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you're going there again because yeah, it's the people you should be going there because of the music. Because yeah. if you're going there because oh, I went to Glastonbury or I've been seeing this, who gives a shit? Yeah. Because no one's going to be like, oh, you went to Glastonbury here. He has to have this like American movie contract because <laughs> you went to Glastonbury. Or all you do is you spend like a thousand. Because these tickets are expensive. They're not cheap tickets. Yeah. You spend all this money for what? Just to say you went to a bullshit event just so you can be seen. It's like. You should be going for the music because that's yeah. that is the memory which stays with you. That's what you enjoy. So yeah, oh idiots. Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, we are live in Adelaide, so we didn't get any festivals. So what are we complaining about? Probably not having any festivals, I'd imagine. Yeah, that, that might be a bit of like I'm lashing out a bit here. <laughs> Maybe Zach Wilde can help us with covering Beauty and the Beast. Uh, there's this whole Disney compilation album with uh, artists like Paul Gilbert, Danny, Mr. Big, yeah. you know, Orianti, that chick who used to play with Michael Jackson, George Lynch, who used to play in. Lynch mob, I Lynch, think nah, yeah, exactly. And Dockin as well. Yeah. Dockin. Oh, yep. And uh, one more, Richie Kotzen. Oh, so these guys are good players, yeah, man. And Mark Orlando plays in Adrenaline Mob with uh, Russell Allen. They're all doing covers of certain Disney things. Now, good for us. We live in Australia, so we can't actually listen to these musics. Did you actually find a way of listening to these songs, Danny? Nah, that's Disney in a nutshell, man. Yeah. They're like the Sony of video games. You must download and pay for everything upright. It said this isn't available in your country. I'm like, we're also about sunshine and, and, and you know, you know, we 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 like things here. You know, yeah. we, we're we're very much like a Disney world thing where you know it looks all pretty, but on the when you look at it from the side, it's all shallow and hollow. So. You know, much like Sharon Osbourne's festival she likes to go to. Like Beauty and the Beast, man. Zach Wild. So yeah. if anyone's heard those songs, let us know or you've got a link or something. Um, apparently the song is very Zach Wilde, Beauty and the Beast. I can only imagine that you can depict the melodies after listening to those artificial harmonics for the you know, majority of the song. Yeah. I look, my, my knowledge of Disney has kind of gone away since... They keep killing off their parents and it got a bit too real for yeah. me. <laughs> I, like, I can't watch this anymore. It's depressing. Like how, how do these kids... Well, I guess what happens is it's a vicious cycle. You know, They, they, get, they grow up, they watch Disney cartoons, they become manic depressants, they can't find work, so they get into arts, they then work for Disney, the cycle continues, yeah, right? It makes sense that Disney took over Marvel for sort of last Avengers movie. Yeah, they, they love the death. Yeah, spoiler alerts. <laughs> Actually, we have to talk about that later on after this podcast is finished. Anyone yeah. want to get your thoughts on that? Actually, if you want our thoughts on that, you have to message us. Uh, Kiss manager on why he believes the band Kiss can continue without any of the original members. We got the band's opinion on this, especially, you know, Gene. And Gene Gene's like, you know, if it can make money, keep it going pretty much. That was his answer. I don't know if that was exact words, but that's what we read. Yeah, yeah. And Doc McGee is uh, more of the same. He's agreed that uh, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing with Kiss. He doesn't consider it like the dark side of the moon or like a prog masterpiece where the original members who have this connection to the songs must give you the... Immersion of it, or else it's a complete lie. Yeah. Do you agree, Danny? Is it is it kind of like yeah, maybe Kiss can be a cover band? Who gives a crap? 
What, do I agree that the manager of a band wants a band to continue after they all retire yeah. so you keep getting more money? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I do agree with that yeah. logic. <laughs> but the thing is, I actually read this interview and he's actually got an interesting point okay, to yeah. make. It's actually a very fascinating fascinating interview and an insight of how the music industry works and how it makes money. Yeah. Um, he, he saw country music taking off and becoming the next big thing. So he moves to a state that does it, get on the bandwagon, make some money. Country music is massive, you oh, know. Yeah. You go south um, of the border in America... And the USA, and apparently, like everyone's doing it. There's a bar everywhere that's playing a guy talking about how he can uh, have sex with multiple women in that really nasally voice. You mean his family members? <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> Isn't that what I said? <laughs> but even here in Australia, going, dive, you know, going off the course here a bit. Like, you know, was it Toowoomba or whatever it is that the um, oh, what is it? The Country Music Festival here in Australia is like mm-hmm. a four-day festival. Yeah, in Australia, massive. That's a massive. So. Yeah, give me credit. I think it's the easiest song that you can have your missus like and you can get drunk to and the song sounds better the more you drink. You know, and you seem to like learn the lyrics more the more you're wasted. So it must be some sort of like connection between a country song and inebriation. Yeah. Speaking to the white collar worker, let's move on to Lamb of God. Uh, burn the, they turned their name back into Burn the Priest so they could cover the song Big Black Kerosene. I don't know if that's as simplistic as that, but let's run with it. The band reverts to the original with a more blasphemous name. They did change their name because they were too afraid of being labelled as an anti-Christian band. I mean, who would have thought using like, you know, uh, Burn the Priest uh, as a name would, would hurt people? doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, unless, unless they're talking about you know, the priest getting like a leg wax and they burnt the priest because they put the wax yeah. too hot. That can happen. So, oh, you know. Man. Must be all that, uh, those, choir, those choir boys then, eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Waxing the wrong spots, yeah. What? Um. Yeah, so Randy Blythe has a massive erection for kerosene or Big Black's kerosene song, so they thought, why not do it? And when you're in a band, you must do your best to keep the singer happy because they are the most moody standing. Yeah, especially looking at those um, Lamb of God like home videos where Randy Blythe wants to fight everybody. So there might be a bit of truth to that. Oh, yeah. But I think that's quite clever. If, if Going back to Burn the Priest to cover a song, if they get sued... They get sued as Burn the Priest and they got no money in that company. So they're like, excellent. Oh, that's a $1 business. So you sue us all you want, mate. Now, uh, we'll quickly touch on the Has Modern Metal Become Too Narrow Minds? There was a uh, interview with the guy from, you know, Ninja Escape Plan, Code Orange and another band. They were talking about how metal these days uh, has become really elitist and, you know, they, they find it hard because these bands obviously are very polarizing in their sense. So they might play at a metal festival and the crowd doesn't actually respond to them very well. But another one, the other festival, the Metalheads, there will respond well to them. Um, do you think, Daniel, that the metal community as a whole is now more narrow-minded and more conservative, maybe trying to protect something now because they feel on the outside it's being uh, attacked? Or is it uh, these people are just overreacting and, and assuming that one bad performance is uh, the same as you know them being attacked as on a personal level? Yes. No, nah, I'll say what it is. I just want to be smarter because, you know, narrow-minded. Yes, very short answer, narrow-minded no, Very answer. good. Yeah, clever. Anyway, it, it is tricky because what they say is some fair points where, like, there's so many sub-genres that if you don't fit into that sub-genre, people don't want to hear or listen to your music. Mm. Even though they like your music, yeah. like, blah, no, nah, you different sub-genre, we don't like it. I think you also have the, it's like a generational thing. Like, you have the old-school guys who just want to listen to old-school music. They yeah. just want to have good, fun music. And that's don't want all this politics or they want all these genres or they want all this show. So it, it, it's a hard thing because there's so many people you're trying to please now. And some of it, I guess it is a bit like trendy to like a certain style, like a certain band. If you don't like that band, you're a bit of a dick. So yeah, it's hard. But again, it's, I, don't, I think again, in the whole, it's like 
it's not so bad. You're just picking on people again. Like those those people who want to be like loud and noisy are the ones they focus on. But it's not the uh, majo- uh, th- yeah, majority. Yeah, exactly. Their their frustrations um, really aren't aren't well focused here because it feels like for me a metal band has to understand that sermon demographics you're not going to win those fans over they have a very specific tie to what they consider metal and what they really like and hone in and when you come in on a metal you know label or a uh, festival whatever and you have a very polarizing style which is fine you know Uh, eventually people might come around to it maybe they haven't worked out if it's good or bad yet you know which is noise metal for me is just like that's not what music's about it should be an emotional connection it shouldn't be about doing things because they haven't been done before in a way that is designed to literally anger people and stuff but some people like it whatever you know i mean because yeah they talk about being narrow-minded and they talked about dillinger and code orange which you're right they're noise metal they're very very polarizing very niche markets so to ask those guys that question it's kind of like a loaded question because they want the answer yeah it is narrow-minded because people don't like our style but your style really is very hard to enjoy and really get behind. That's so right. asking those guys is Mel Narrow Mind is a bit unfair. That's like asking someone who only reads Shakespeare saying, Oh, are people a bit too um simplistic with what they read? And of course they are, they're not reading Shakespeare. But Yeah, exactly. Everyone's right. reading like about vampires and stuff and where's the culture in that? Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, you know, he kinda has a point to a degree, maybe who knows? I don't really It's like people who put pineapple on pizza, like no. Oh, they're, they're just wrong. <laughs> uh Fozzie's uh, band, we're talking about Rich Ward now, the guitarist explains why he's done 19 albums in his career, but it proclaims that he himself is a fairly average guitar player. We asked him his secret. We didn't ask him his secret, but we read his secret, and it's more about being a hungry, rabid dog who wants more. But more importantly, he doesn't have that incredibly leeching of the money from the only thing that can destroy bands more than anything in the world, and that's kids. Yeah. So when you don't have kids, you don't have uh, more mouths to feed and a, a woman or a man nagging you about, you know, coming home, looking after they're doing your fair share, it's amazing how much more creative time you have, Danny. You do have more time. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's probably a fair point. Again, he probably names his guitars like children's names because he's probably... He's probably like missing. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's like you see him like in his room, like he's like got a pair of baked beans and he's feeding his pickup. <laughs> Open wide for the airplane. His, his guitar <laughs> strap his guitar strap looks like two hands. So when he puts his guitar strap on, oh, it's like he's getting a hug. He's like, yeah. Oh thanks, guitar, you're hugging me. He has to get that the jack, the quarter inch jack to like a two and a half quarter inch jack. <laughs> so he can like pleasure himself with it. That's gross. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> what about um do you think that's a good secret though, Danny? Do you reckon um he didn't say it was any good. He just said you have to just keep trying, which is actually, you know, if you don't succeed, try, try again. A clock is right twice a in a day. Clock is right a twice. Bro- broken clock is right twice in a day unless it's a digital one. Yeah. Then it's never right because <laughs> nothing lights up on it. So, you know, that's what you have to do. If he writes 19 albums, he's five away. He's, well, yeah, he's, I was going to say five away from a 24-hour clock, but that doesn't matter. So he's done well. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I mean, like, you're right because then... He might just be one of those modest guys, like, oh, I'm not good at what I do, but like, I write these like symphonic masterpieces, but I'm just like average. So he might be one of those guys, or he, he might just write simple songs. And you know what? People like simple yeah. songs. Look at pop music. Yeah. It's simple as like yeah. bread on, butter on toast. Now, I haven't yet to find a song off the 19 albums which I like yet, but keep trying and you <laughs> might get there. Uh, Gibson Guitar officially announced their bankruptcy. We were talking about this back in the yesteryear, maybe a couple of weeks ago about how they're really struggling to make uh, their financial uh, decisions pay off for them. You know, they've been the red for a while and now they're officially, they are, yeah, we're, we're done. But I think they're getting some help now. They're going to be back. But um, 
so if you still want that explorer or les paul you can still get it but their competitors now we slightly tapping themselves on the bum yeah fender prs all those kind of guys being like ah we survived so yeah you yeah, know currently to be technical they file for bankruptcy which means but they file for something called chapter 11 i don't know what it means is they can still trade as gibson but they've had a re structure their business more and boss had, is gone kind yeah of they've had to get like proper financial people who to run their business now and so they they're going to restructure it and try to trade out or get out the debt yeah i hear a lot of things like a lot of dumb decisions they make they didn't go to the online thing quick enough as well so maybe that's all i needed someone with the right direction to give it up because yeah. the guitars are prolific they are in everyone's mind you know back in the day where metallic were using them and stuff like that and uh it, they were just massive, you know. They were, everyone knows where Les Paul is. Everyone knows what Explorer is. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I haven't really kept up with Gibson's business model, but they lost a lot of money trying to make that auto tuning stuff. But yeah. these guys are five hundred million in debt, so I don't think that's just purely to blame. Yeah, it could be they haven't like modernized their brand. Like yeah. they're, they're pretty much a blues rock guitar, and blues and rock probably aren't popular they used to be. Right, country man, get yeah. get into country yeah. music. You know, I guess the Telecaster has that uh, thing, but you know, you can sell to the uh, to the um, the husband and wife slash brother and sister crowd out there. Yeah. <laughs> Same. It's like one family. You want diverse. You want to diverse. Sell the whole you want to family. sell to other people. <laughs> yeah. Cousins. What's the problem? <laughs> the other issue as well. I don't know if it's true or not, but the guitars are really expensive. So I'm not sure if they try to be good with like these low price guitars, etc. So look, in the end, hopefully they get out to iconic brand. But at the same time, that's the world these days. If you fail, you fail, you know. Unless you're a big bank, then the government buys you out. Oh, that's right. <laughs> exactly. If you're a bank, you're fine. No matter what. Even if even if you're like stealing people's money and whatever, you're fine. All right? Steve Grimmett's Grim Reaper performs at Germany's Keep It True. Now, the reason why this is a big deal is because he had his right leg partially amputated in 2017. Uh, it's like a wound that on his foot was spread to the bones and stuff like that. But whatever. He's gone on stage and he's done a ripping rendition of Dio's uh, cover song, Don't Talk to Strangers, which we covered at the start of this. Um, oh, that's why you did I that. know, ah. right? It all ties together, right? Um, yeah. yeah, he's good singer, man. It's good that he's found a way to get the crutch or a wheelchair and still deliver an amazing performance. Yeah, that was an amazing story. We covered it last year where he pretty much did the gig, had to go rush to hospital to get the thing amputated. And I think like a couple of days later, a week later, he went back onto the tour again. So, so awesome. This guy, Craig, man, that's our metalhead of the week, so... Yeah, he's yeah. been ahead of the week. Good work, yeah. Danny. Yeah, self-proclaimed. We don't even have to talk about it anymore. We just like nailed it. Yeah, cool. All right, move on then. <laughs> Aborted premieres their music video, Fallacious Crescendo. Now, I think it was Metal Sucks or Metal Injection, whatever, said it was energetic. I would say it's sporadic because it's basically them doing their best live performances, probably to other songs. Yeah, okay. And uh, a zombie thrown in there because, you know, they are aborted. They are aborted. <laughs> that whole fallacious crescendo. That's awesome. So when you get when you get head and get climax of the head, that's that's what it's pretty much about. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> God bless these guys. <laughs> it's from the EP Bath Bathos or Bathos if you live in a Bathos. Um, <laughs> it's not bad. It's a good song. You know, the intro's cool. It's very much aborted. It's just like throwing Riffs at you at a mile a minute. Yeah. Nice and short. So if you manage to like get a, a fallacious uh, activity, that's normally nice and short. As I'd well. imagine so. So with that, you know, that's that's aborted. We want to listen to the actual album though, because the EP we can't really review on the show. It'd be a very short segment. Yeah, the album will probably come out this year, I'm guessing. Which will be our first band we've done two reviews on, like not going to a retro review. So Alright, yeah. well let's do a couple more stories before we uh, uh hit it off. Uh Kerry King uh, secrets to having sex with lots of women. Now he went on the Jim Jeffries show. Uh, 
the problem with that is you have to uh, listen to the ordeal of having to listen to Jim Jeffries, which uh, he's pretty much <laughs> like comedy what Clementine Ford is to Lifeline. Yeah, people love Jim Jeffries. I mean, give him credit. He's an Australian com- comedian. Australian. Oh, Australian. Let's, yeah. uh, let's not say things we don't really mean here, Danny. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but he's got, he's got like a, a show on Comedy Central. Yeah. And on that one episode, he had Brad Pitt come on as like a weatherman and Kerry King come on. So people in America, they love him somehow. Yeah. I think a certain demographic can like him because... It's laughing at your own opinions, basically, because when he comes yeah. across, he's obviously very leaning to one side and very ham-fisted. Um, but you, know, you got Kerry King on the show, and uh, the That's secret cool. is to having sex with lots of women is learn how to play guitar. And the best thing is, if you're Kerry King or if anyone out there, you don't have to play the guitar extremely <laughs> well. You just need to play it. <laughs> you got to have the attitude though, because he's, yeah. he's quite a big guy. You know, he's not tall wise, but you know, he's got tattoos and he's bold. Which rescue for us, Danny? We still have a shot out there, right? So yeah, I just got to look more menacing and grow like a yeah, bulky so beard. You need at least mm. an, uh, twenty or thirty more rub on tattoos before you can start, you know, <laughs> laying down the ladies. Yeah, but yeah, good luck to the so friends guitar, out there. Eh? Yeah, uh, I didn't take vocal lessons. That's a waste. Ah, oh, Dan, that's not where it's at. Let's uh, finish on two more stories. One even more funny than this one, which is the editorial from the Metal Sucks website from Lord Rhombus. It feels like everyone in this camp is getting on board with this uh, black metal is bad. And the next, obviously, permutation of that is the article, of course, black metal is racist, it's evil. (laughs) Now, going on to reading this article, it's probably some of the worst... I don't know how like people... primary school would, would try to find a way of getting an argument across but I think the best thing you can do when your metal sucks is you're right just take all the information and distort it so you're right and write about it so you're right um, this article here is incredibly bad and the one thing that I really don't like about it is they've dragged everyone else into it so I'll read, I'll read a quote which I didn't like everyone seems astounded that black metal no longer an underground cesspool but one of heavy metal's most load, load bringing subgenres could still be full of bigotry. Everyone. So everyone sees seems astounded that black metal is no longer this whatever. I'm like, yeah, look, don't rope us into your argument. You know, if you want to go down with your proverbial, you know, uh, biggest ship, which I think is coming straight from the source here, uh, I really appreciate it if you didn't incorporate us into it because we've been like slamming your publication here for the last two years. Oh, yeah. You know, so, you know, we understand what metal, black metal is trying to do. And if they want to shock just for shock's case, they can. But what's going on here, Daddy? This is more than just a 2,000 word uh, diatribe. Yeah, but it seems like on a weekly basis they have to... Because I thought they did this article last week and the week before. It just seems like the same article being repeated. They just changed some words. Yeah, it's like throw take, Marduk, and there's another one as well, under under the bus and... And just and re and reiterate your um, points that you've blankly just lazily constructed out of nothing, and uh, and uh, ham it. and to the to the detriment to their publication, the fans again have gone and destroyed them. If you want to laugh, just go to the comment sections. Yeah. I would much rather read an article by anyone else in that comment section <laughs> than see anything from either Axel Rosenbohr and uh, Lord Rhombus ever again, because these guys are. Well, then again, we get to bitch about it for you know, five minutes, so it can't be all bad. Well, of course, I think it might be Emperor Rhombus or Lord Rhombus, whatever. So he kind of yeah. based his name on like a black metal name because most of these black metal guys use that as their name. 
So he's like, well, what do you love black metal or don't you? You want to rip off parts of black metal you like, but you don't. Yeah, you know, he's one of these like hypocrites. Like, yeah, dick. Yeah, like, they've, taken, they've taken yeah. three bands and like everyone in black metal is bad because we didn't like three things that these three th- bands did. Yeah, and uh, if you go to their websites, Take and um, Marduk and all that, these guys are actually on the uh, counter now and are attacking things like Antifa and that, saying, you know, they used violence to get their way, and um, and it worked. You know, they intimidated the venues. And um, the venues pulled out. They couldn't play any shows. And, uh, and they should be held for their terrorist attitudes, you know? Anyway. Yeah, I mean, Metal Sucks is really sucking a lot. It really Bad, sucks. man. So let's talk about the last and the most saddest news today, Danny. Tim Calvert died at 52. Former Nevermore. Ah, Dreaming Neon Black, Danny, your favorite album. Mm. And Forbidden Guitarist, you know? Um, we're talking about it here from blabmouth.com. Which is, I think makes sense because they're I think owned by Century Media, which owned and run Nevermore at one right. point. I get you. Now he died this morning. I oh, sorry, that would have been Friday or Thursday morning after battling an aggressive form of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS. Um, we don't know what that is, but it sounds really bad because it's taken the life away of someone who not only played for Forbidden's Twisted into Form, Distortion, and Green, but obviously Nevermore's amazing 1999 release, Dreaming Neon Black, Danny. Talk to us why that album is so phenomenal, briefly. Briefly? Because oh, uh, we, we went into this, we remember, went into back it, yeah. in the Nevermore discography thing. It's uh, riff central, it's emotion central, uh, lyrics are very political and very um, emotive again. Uh, great drumming, heavy, hard rock, uh, good feel to it, just it's a great album. So yeah, yeah, it's a very sad thing for being only 52. Apparently this guy was a bit of a character and a good bloke in real life as well, bringing some of the quick comments there. So it's very... It's, very much a shame. We will we, we always have his music to around, which we thank him for, but mm. it's just 52 is quite young. Yeah, yeah, I always felt like he could maybe come back after his like piloting and stuff, making actual serious land of money and t- touring the world, making money, which is obviously very hard being in a metal band. However, yeah, his uh, stamp on the band really influenced. I remember hearing from Jeff Loomis that this song Beyond Within actually has his influence all over that track. So hearing that kind of heaviness brought into Nevermore, which would accompany the band style at the time very well, just help flesh out and make it even more, like you said, more riff-focused, more heavier, more darker, more brooding, and it gave the chance for those lyrics to even stand out even more with the past we're ordained. Seems like 2018's taken out Nevermore pretty fast. we got Jim Shepard, Jeff, and Van Williams. Let's hope these guys can survive till, you know, 2040 at least. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon. Jeez, careful. I know, right? But with that, let's move on to our podcast question this week. Danny, the podcast question this week, as you so eloquently put on our Facebook account, facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro, bands that have changed their original sound too much. What did you mean when you wrote this on our website only a couple of days ago? Yeah, it's... um it's interesting because this actually came from an article Parkway Drive of all bands where they pretty much just say we're going to... I mean, hearing only one of the songs the new album, like, wow, this doesn't sound like them at all because they've just pretty much gone away from their metalcore sound to a bit more European-based sound. And I guess that that's pretty much what we're trying to say is that these bands, you know, people get older, they get more influences, they themselves change as people and they kind of change their sound. More so musical style, like production. Of course, production is also a sound issue as well. But more so like their style and their kind of genre... They don't want to be genre-bound in a way. Yeah, Winston McCall from Parkway Drive said uh, in an article to Loudwire, sorry, creatively, the older we get, the more stuff we're going to do. We're always going to be a heavy band. What do we like doing? Melodic stuff, heavy stuff, things we're interested in. That actually spans a hell of a lot, so we're going to keep going to those areas. Fairly simplistically put, you know, these guys want to grow their sound. 
embellish it. You know, as much as the fans want to hear these guys in metalcore band, maybe them expanding their sound to be even more heavier and stuff and more elements might be what this band needs to revitalize them in the year 2018. Um, mm. But we want to ask our fans as well, what's a band that's changed their sound too much? Maybe for the good reason, maybe because it's what the band needs to do to mature. And, you know, as rising the temperature slowly after 20 years, you know, you might be at 50 degrees when you're only at you know, 20 degrees, you know, 18 years later, but eventually you're like, wow, like, why is it so damn hot in here, you know? Yeah. Or it could be something like, you know, you've done it, you've changed the sound, it's bad. You know, you've completely abandoned what yeah. was true with you guys and you're no longer that name that you say you are. It's a shell of your former self, much like being a president of the United States. Maybe not, you know, Maybe who not. knows? Let's talk about it, Danny. Who will the, will the fans say? Yeah, so first we have uh, Luke Serta. He says, uh, Dimmu Borgia, I reckon. Yes. So let's talk about Dimmu Borgia. Um, they started as a pretty much straight up black metal band. Then they got more symphonic. And then now, who knows? Eurovision. Yeah, it's gotten a <laughs> lot more. Yeah, they've even gone happier to a degree. Yeah. I've heard one of the new songs off the new album. And I'm like, this is very interesting. Seeing as what Gold was doing in Old Man's Child, if there was a major, major scale in it, much like, um, I guess, you know, Ger- Germany in the 1940s and it was, you know, a Jewish person. It didn't have to be there, unfortunately. <laughs> wow. So, so <laughs> it's very shocking to see, you know. Move on, Danny. What's the next one? Yeah, next is Robert Walker with Metallica. Again, a band, uh, obviously in the 80s. Yeah. Prolific for writing four of the most influential albums, even to this very day. You know, people are still ripping these guys off. Then they changed for the Black Album because obviously they would say, you know, because they want to grow as musicians, I would argue that their bass player was dead and no one could write classical songs from anymore. Yeah, <laughs> well, again, do they change the sound and just not become good writers anymore? Because it's always been like thrashy rocky. Yeah. So it's still thrashy rocky, just not good. Well, they wrote Load and Reload and much to the detriment now of the band because even James Hetfield came out and said that he wasn't a fan of those albums and the direction they took back in the day. But as marketing goes and you were on the Mission Impossible soundtrack, it couldn't have been that bad for you. No, they're not going to complain. Look, they're still the top six heavy, uh, was it? Every year, their albums always made the top 10. Six of their albums made the top 10 best-selling heavy metal albums of the year. So they're not complaining, yeah. are they? Next one, man. Next one, Josh Rigby. He says, Trivium. He goes, although each time I revisit a new release of theirs, I tend to find one or two tracks that are still half decent. The style and sound of Ascendancy was tits. That said, Heffy's cleans have gotten pretty solid over the years. Sure, he's worked very hard on them and uh, he took Metallica as an influence. In fact, he even went to the guys from Disturbed for guidance, which I don't think helped him out. Maybe the production sounded better. These guys were metalcore guys. You know, They started off playing very fast, very energetic, melodic uh, metal in that uh, era. They really incorporated a lot of the new style of metal was going forward and much to detriment of fans. It felt like they did compromise a lot of what brought them to the table, you know. Hey, it's the end of the day. They took on a marketing strategy. And I think it worked well for them. They're selling very well and uh, making some serious you know, cash. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, Shades Von Sinatra. Close to your heart, Matt. Maroon 5. So we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, Monica Ansel. Again, close to your heart, Matt. Taylor Swift. Again, we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, Jason Applin, all that remains is a big one. And I'd almost say Parkway, but I still don't mind their new album. All that remains is an interesting lot because when they first started, they have a very interesting take on the metalcore slash melodic death metal style going on at the time. You know, they were trucking different tire signatures into breakdowns and stuff, but they had a very strong emphasis on melody and on 
guitar playing and uh, writing a very engaging, catchy song. They then went heavier with the fall of ideas. Then I think Overcome, they went very much focused with writing much more commercial style metal where it still retained a little bit of what made them popular. The production was far more polished. They would then do an abortive song of the Nevermore yeah. classic, uh, Believe, um, Believe in Nothing. nothing yeah. And then lately, I think now I've gone off the train, but it's covers and it's just really much a, an abandonment of what was once had, you know? And I think like me, old school fans, I tuned out a long time ago because I saw the writing on the wall, but someone's still liking them. Yeah, now they're getting all angry and pissy because their lead singer's kind of a bit dick these days. So. Yeah. Oh, well, that probably doesn't help. Uh, Daniel Söderblad, Pantera, Glam Forever. First album, Danny, that was a glam metal record. Pretty power metal, glam metal, yeah. And, and they went completely into like their groove metal after that. Well, the thing was, Danny, the first album was full on. Like We have friends of ours who swear by the first album for some reason. Then the next one, the Cowboys from Hell, had a little bit of that glam. Oh, maybe, yeah. Because it's got a little yeah. bit of that facetto singing at times. Some of those riffs are half money riffs, half power but then after that it was pretty much just yeah. gone groove southern metal type thing yeah, yeah so yeah that that is true it's quite amazing because no one really knows I, I i didn't know about that early pantera until my mate told me about it goes have you heard this like, wow that's different man no, it's the same guys yeah. right it's crazy uh then you got uh leah alice rose masson with in flames oh yeah. man that was an interesting call so they started off as melodic death straight up like a gothenburg sound you know the Rip off at the gates as best as you can. Hey, don't feel too bad. Soil work was doing the exact same thing at the time, right? They then decided that listening to the alternative depressing stuff in the 90s, like all that alternative rock and that would help out, you know. They're much more sadder as people. They went lower in tuning to B flat. Um, still, you know, it, it was very much, the songs themselves felt very sad, very energetic, rah, rah, rah. Lost the guitarists who basically did the songwriting. Now they've ditched that old nasty metal habit and who knows what they're doing now, but we reviewed... The Battles album, Danny, yeah. and we had nothing positive to say about it. It was one of the worst uh, metal releases we heard that year. Yep. And um, the bonus tracks on it, honestly, yeah. were the better tracks. They should have, they honestly have such bad judgment of not only writing <laughs> metal songs, but pinning their songs for the album. Yeah. So they should have had an EP of those two songs, and we would have been much nicer to yeah, them. Yeah, well, yeah, more to, better things to come from them. Uh, Steve Lehman, it's a loaded question, maybe. I'll bite with the obvious Opeth. Danny, now, you're a fan of Opeth, aren't you, to some degree? Yes, I, I really enjoyed their um, early stuff. Like, Blackwater Park was pretty much a, a game-changer. Like, myself, I didn't really hear too much of that balance between, like, let's say, angelic and death-like vocals and also yeah. the mixture of that style of music where you had the um, really heavy stuff again with a nice acoustic sound. So, yeah. for me, having that getting that experience with Opeth of still life in Blackwater Park was really great. Yeah. And then you're right, they've... Ever since then, they start, they kind of hit a peak with like the heaviness, and ever since then, they've kind of just gone down a roller coaster into uh, pretty yeah, much progressive rock. Yeah, because when it first started with Orchid, we had this folk thing about it. It was a little bit of metal, a bit of Iron Maiden influence, but obviously, there's so long songs were there, the acoustic sections, the heavy sections, you know. Moving on from that into, I think it was Morning Rise, then we had Miami's Rehearse, which then had him have a cold to make him sound incredibly heavy on the album, very dark, very dreary. Until so they would perfect it with um, the next two albums after that, like you said, uh, Blackwater Park and uh, Still Life. Those two records there, importantly, are very much when I think of Opeth, that's what I think of. You know, they did Ghost Reveries afterwards, which wasn't too bad, as well as Damnation Deliverance, which for me were stretched, you know, over two albums. Now, who knows? They've gone prog rock. You actually bought the album, Danny. Yeah. Give us a quick review of the latest album they released. Well, I've got 
because it's never released one again last year. Oh, it might have. Sorry, yeah. what was one you had? The one I, I got Heritage that came out was it three years back, and two songs. There's like I think five or six songs on the album, which stand out because they're really long songs. Two songs were awesome. They're like really hard rock heavy. Like this is great, but the rest are just like progressive, like slow rock songs. But it's not uh, even in tune because we he teased it with a bit of like he's a fan of Rainbow and stuff like that, but. That's not really featuring another heavy rock from the seventies features in it as much as the uh, slower pace methodical yeah, like tune Pink Floyd or from something. Pink Floyd yeah. or something. That seems to be more of an influence. That seventies uh, stoner rock seems to be more influenced yeah, than the psychedelic rock and stuff. Yeah, psychedelic yeah. rock was more influenced than the heavy metal at the time. Yeah, like some, the, the only two songs which I liked off the heritage were the hard rock heavy ones, which was kind of like rainbow esque type, deep purple ish. And that's what's great. But the rest of the albums, oh, I can't listen to it. It's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. And when you subtract the best elements of those years, one, Ronnie James Dio, two, Richie Blackmore, and you're doing it. Uh, you've, you've lost the Super Metal Brothers. <sighs> Any other ones left there, Danny? Yeah, two left. One is Anthony Kuta with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Apparently, they're massively like psychedelic funk. Now they're like singing songs your mum would like. Pretty much radio friendly. Radio yeah. friendly, yeah, yeah, okay. And last one, it's a bit of a repeat. It's uh, Scott Thiel, which said Trivium as well. So there you go. We touched on them. Danny, I want to hear some of your thoughts of bands right now who have changed their sound too much. For the Maybe you can do one for the best and one for the worst. You know, someone who's changed yeah. their sound really well and one that hasn't. Well, not to be repetitive, like with what Ray said, some new ones. The one which is for the best is, of course, Symphony X. Yeah. We, we've just, we've talked about this nearly every week because it's always the same, but it is. They started from just pretty much progressive, like, not folk, but progressive rock and now they've gone to pretty much like heavy Still progressive rock, but just like a lot heavier, harder, more intense, let, uh, more away from the power metal, just into like really hard rock, which is great. They've done well. Uh, interesting band, like Australian band, you could say like Silverchair. That's like, an interesting yeah. point because they went from literally a grunge uh, band, grunge band yeah. to a orchestrated like oh, craziness. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's bad though because I think what uh, Daniel Johns is doing is is very good. He can write scores for movies now. He's he's a phenomenally good writer. But what a progression, man! Playing like Nirvana songs, which pretty much aren't exactly challenging. However, you know he's definitely stretched himself. You yeah. know whatever he's gone through, that's anorexia must have eaten away the bad cells of his brain and just left all the good stuff yeah. there. Well, he dated also that Natalie and Brulia chick for a while, and she was all about doing those like soft romantic songs. Maybe he got influenced by her part. But he's well. good at it. You yeah. Know? So it's like whatever, you know. Yeah, that change. Um, what's her name? Europe came back recently, and they came back with more like heavier, well, not heavier, but more progressive sound compared to the you know what one classic I know of, which is you know final countdown and that's what I know from them but now they've come back and the new album's apparently more like heavy and progressive so yeah. they've changed their sound again it might be better for some people but it's worse for other people because yeah I'll say the uh, I want to do two bands one good and one bad now the bad a uh, good one first obviously we always like to end with the bad one because it's funnier um, the good one is Meshuggah for me right they first started in like normal tunings very thrashy um, you know, if you were listening to the very first album to the very last album, you would not believe it's the same band. You know, the production values were much more rush, uh, you know, just, you know, just very hard to listen to, much more grainy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was fast. It was less of the syncopation that they'll be known for as well to now where they're literally now just crushing everything underneath their weight. The most influential metal band right now that's existed the last 10 years, I feel like. You know, they went on to then influence a whole sound with their new style, whereas their old style was just taking thrash riffs and just mashing them around a little bit so they were more syncopated and more um, time signature heavy, you know. Uh, a band that's really much just taken those uh, small influences, the idea of taking riffs and mangling them up a bit to 
an extreme, you know, and their production values as well. So I like that about them. So they've done really well, and especially with albums like Coloss and um, uh, uh, Future Beam Machine, uh, Destroy Race and Proof, sorry. Um, good stuff, man. Chaos Fear as well. Hmm. Uh, bad one, Soy Work. I would yeah. say what happened was when they first started, they were again like in flames. They were taking all the stuff that at the gates and that were doing and running with it. They would then go on to have a more rock style influence as well, going through the middle part as well with the same guitarist and all that. You know, they were Per Nielsen and Ola Fleming, I think, Gunner, whatever Fleming, whatever his name is. I can't remember his name. Then one guitarist would leave. Um, then they would write without him and it sounded okay. It was missing a little bit of that melody. Then the other guy would, the other guitarist left and the other one, the old one would come back. And then all of a sudden it was too melodic. And now Soilwork are taking that melodic thing and just running with it. Where the heaviness of the band now has gone far, far beyond where I've, I think it needed that. Soilwork needed the both to contrast with the speed style, the vocalist style as well. And without it now, I'm, I'm definitely not on it. But my missus really likes it. So, you know, with one fan loss, another one gained, I guess. That's how it is, though. Like some, that's the difference. Like you, you might lose some old school fans, but you might gain some fans. So in the end, you, you just don't know until you, you know when your record sales numbers change. But these days, no one sells records anymore. So you, yeah, exactly. Till about Facebook Live, just maybe. Ju- if you want to get make money, just tour. Apparently, there's no way else you're gonna, you're gonna get out of this thing alive. Tour and merch. So uh, I guess with that, Danny, with all that said and done, let's move on to our final presentation, which is the album review this week. Looking long and hard across the world. Thank you very much, the internet. Thank you, Vladimir Putin, for his reign and terror of Russia and Belarus. We're talking about Belarus band, Batum Semitar. Danny, I knew nothing about these guys, but by some potluck, it came up on my YouTube feed. I accidentally clicked it while reaching for my coffee, and I have not been disappointed. However, how are we going to go about talking about this? Well, yeah. let's just say Google Translate has been our best friend because we do not speak Russian at all or Belarusian, whatever their yeah. language they speak over there. I find Belarus and the map was hard enough, like all the way near there and Mars. I didn't know it was that far away. Ugh. But they've, um, yeah, I don't know how you found this band. You're correct. We had we had to create um, VK accounts, which is like, a, it looks like a subsidiary to Facebook. It looks like it's like a Russian or Soviet Union based uh facebook so you can't be influenced by outside media you kind of like locked into what the russian government yeah. wants you to i kind of feel like now the australian and the american uh, governments now have got us on the watch list of yeah. terrorist um activity you know i saw that feed come up on my facebook of uh, the la junior saying uh would you like to work in counter-terrorism like <laughs> shit they know already like you know but with that who cares if i've been on the terror watch list to listen to this kind of metal then so be it yeah now um the idea of Flesh and Roots is the name of this album. At least that's what we think it is. Yeah. Because we had to take that incredibly bizarre looking alphabet, throw it into Google Translate. And after they sent all our details to, you know, to um, our governments and, uh, you know, all our friends over there, they came back and said, yeah, this is what we think you mean. And yeah. um, What it means, I think it translates to crush capitalism. Yeah. Google's <laughs> like, no, no, no don't do that. You don't crush capitalism. It's the idea of flesh and roots, as in like the idea is, do you like to have your flesh on you or would you like to be in the ground with the roots are? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> so let's move on with the album in question. Now, the band, uh, it's not much to know about it that apart from, I think we should maybe... Give a little quick taste of their VK account. Again, I had to go to Google Translate. So forgive me if any of this is taken out of context. But um, 
the official this is the official page of Belarusian atmospheric symphonic extreme metal team Fatum Semitar. They call themselves a team. That's, oh, that's nice. That's, that's cute. Nice, yeah. uh, the main theme of the lyrics are separate stories, visions, and stories about what happened is and will. Foretelling is in their nature. Who would have thought clairvoyancy is part of the deal in Belarusian atmosphere, Danny? Yeah, not to be like rude, but I guess that whole like kind of gypsy culture in that Eastern European country. Yeah. So maybe that's part... And I've been like, not rooting, but I'm saying that's part of their culture, I guess. Yeah. And finally, the musical component is based on the atmosphere and emotional delivery of text and including a wide range of genres in extreme music. No argument here. Mm. Symphonic metal band, I definitely think with black, thrash, death metal and groove elements in total. Yeah. Minsk is the... Uh, city. So let's move on to the album review in itself, starting with the prelude, Danny. We're getting used to this, uh, pretty much a piano intro, you know. Yeah, you got it's symphonic black metal. Yeah. Definitely, you just got to do it, you know. You can't, you can't start the album with like a blast beat. That's no, just, that's can't. just silly. How do you set the tone, man? It's like we have to. It's like when you watch Star Wars, you expect that scrolling um, information to be on Star Wars. It, you know, it has to be there. Same as like these symphonic black metal bands. It now, has to be just. Bullshit filler at the start. The language possibly in French. I'm not too sure. I'm not familiar with the language they're speaking here. So let's move on to track two, In the Full Moon Lakes. Again, every track title now has been Google translated. So if it is wrong and incorrect, and if you're hearing us, Fatim Semitar, please uh, feel free to head back and we will we'll try our best to acknowledge that and uh, not be so intellectually racist, I guess. Yeah, that's very important. Others metal sucks right there. Oh <laughs> Think about us. Oh, Australian guys being like bigots regarding the top, Russian language. Top, top 10 bigoted comments from the Super Metal Brothers. <laughs> you won't believe number seven. <laughs> Clickbait. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, in the Foon Mool Lake track two. Now, listening to this track straight up, this is the track that got me into the band because straight off the bat, you're getting a headbanger rip and you're like, damn, man, Belarus must be a terrible place to live in because this riff is so angry and so awesome and um, with some, some of the symphonic elements creeping through it and some technical passages as well so the guitar is showing the capability this is one off the bat that gets you like oh your ears perk straight up Danny oh yeah definitely they're going full on here full epicness like mixing blast beats double kicks with with the synth it's always a great sound when you mix that because it's like chaos you're having like the yeah the chaotic sound of the of the drums and the like angelic sound of the um, synth. It's always a nice mixture. We reviewed memory memorial eclipse last oh, week. Oh yeah, that band. Yeah. Now these Ashtini guys yeah. are similar in the sense yeah. of how they would orchestrate their band lineup, but fundamentally these guys are two different bands. But yeah. they do similar things where there is a bit of chaos going from the drums and the guitars and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of heaviness, there's a lot of screaming and stuff, but this band here feels far more pulled back in that sound. I think more in tune with um, a, I wouldn't say more commercial sound because these guys definitely nah, haven't nah. got a commercial sound, but a sound that's definitely more encapsulating of an atmosphere to them to a degree. I know like the band, the Argentine band last week, they were massive into like the synths and yeah. like, the keys and strings. These guys use it as well, but not, I guess they're more about the riffs, I guess, and the, and the drumming. Oh, no, the actually band's big into the drum as well. But these guys, I, less less strings and synths, more guitar. Yeah, more sound. groove orientated. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think yeah. that works in their favor because you can really hear everything much more cleaner and easier. Some memorable riffs and grooves on this performance. And um, it's a long track. And I guess that's what this band's deal is. The story going on in each track feels far more invested and longer and drawn out, you know. Yeah. Um, Province, I'm Province, the next album, Danny. Um, 
starting with another language that's possibly German, not sure. <laughs> but uh, I, <laughs> again, uh, another great riff to bay into. It's a rocking good yeah. time. This one has more of that kind of classic rock kind of feel to it in a sense, but uh, the guitar lines are very cool here. Yeah, definitely. Again, uh, yep, definitely tough intro as well. Again, mixing your up with the synths and the keys, changing the tempos up again. But again, another heavy song. Nice. Number yeah. two, the first, second track was awesome, epic heavy, but let's get another yeah. good track. Yeah, yeah. Track. it feels like a grindcore breakdown in this black metal uh, landscape yeah, right. song, you yeah. know. Um, some awesome technique and imagination with the guitars with some fun headbangingness. Solo, not fan of it. I do think this guy's. Um, can, has the technique and the pull-off, and I think most of his time, 90% of it, 95% of it, he's writing awesome stuff. I think his solos, for me, didn't really tell the story as much as his riff writing does. Um, okay, I agree with that. But it's just a bit end. of like, it happened, and you're like, ah, okay. But it's more important that the rest of the song is, again, kick-ass, man. You know, it's yeah. a very good time here. But he rocks out the breakdown to like a melodic section, which is good. Nice way to transition between from their really fast, epic stuff to going down to melodic. Yeah, nice that's right. Use of that. Yep. Plague and Fields starting with another ambient. Again, we're starting to see this pattern where each song really feels like we're starting up with the story. It's like once upon a time rather than this is what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're lucky enough to hear the Turkish influence in the, in the vocals here probably because I'm not too sure what language they're speaking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, some melodic death metal vibes yeah, here. So they're taking yeah. more of that mellow death style from the Gothenburg you know, classic um, vibe here. Varieties the spice of the band here you know we've heard some very much black and death influences with the tracks two and three but plague and fire number four feels like um even though there's a little bit of the flat notes you're singing into the conviction of the voice here is definitely getting him across the line he's the guy's definitely feeling what he's saying for sure danny oh yeah definitely right he mixes up his tones quite a lot throughout the whole album like talking screams growls bit of falsetto in there as well which is quite nice yeah but this song you're definitely right it starts to get a bit of white noise and a bit of keys i think then blend in the la- ending of the last song into this song, but then it goes into like a, I reckon it's like a Moore's type, like Moore's Princeman type, um, yeah, melodic death, oh, yeah. uh, intro and verse, etc. And yeah, and then this one here's a bit different to the other songs, which is good. It's not, it's not just about fast and heavy with these guys. They try to write nice melodies in there as well, which are, which are very good. Yeah, that's right. You know, the sneaky symphonic elements make the riffs sound a little more evil and more fleshed out. And um, again, the endings here standalone as their own song a part of their song as well it adds a whole big thing to it all you know it's um yeah just some all year times man from like death metal you know all that classic stuff uh amontar track five this one didn't translate to uh google as much i think that's what the title said so they're like i'll just go with it yeah. uh, again this is much more of a heavy hitting song this one here um has a very sporadic and spastic kind of style like system of a down would do you with their spoken kind of word but then kind of screaming it feels like a martyr who's on public uh, uh, demonstration but doesn't think he's going to make his next one from an execution or something you know it's very much a very weird style of um of singing yeah fair and it's also more um slower pace to start with yeah. and then it gets a bit they, they try to keep the pace with throughout but then they slightly changes in instrumentation to increase the uh, pace of it and in the chorus it gets a bit more heavier and faster yeah. and cuts back again so again can change up a bit not just about you know fast and playing melodies this one here's been more of like a like a slow heavy hitting song rather than a yeah sneaky tremolos and the riffs um transitions from the solos to vocals is very nice and smooth and that uh, very much an uh, eastern influence with those riffs and instrumentation um again it's a bit of a win this one yeah 
Track six with Warrior, a slower pace song to a degree. I found now this is where the album starts to put on the brakes and kind of put a fork in the road where it's like, okay, you've gotten used to what's happening. The next uh, four tracks now will be different in a sense. Still heavy, slower, more methodical pace that doesn't actually like assault you the whole time, but still feels like a very much doing something being destroyed. Uh, there's a pedaling riff in it that's just very sick with some nice gallops and um, just some, a really sad and very nice layering ending as well. It's a very interesting one. However, probably not my favorite, but had some really highlights in the song. Yeah, I think you're right. They're trying to create more of a feel with this song. Again, it's hard. Lost in translation, I love this song. So when they try to create a bit of a feel and a bit of a mood with their, their talking over like the slow playing, you, you just don't know what's going on because unfortunately, you know, the language yeah the there. language problem is where i found it's um definitely yeah a point where the storytelling here is far more deliberate yeah. as well especially going to the song i was with track seven again another slow methodical track very much lyric driven um albums really started to slow down again with a uh yeah it, it did get me to a point at the end where i kind of did kind of find myself zoning out but mm. it's a nice song it's very sad uh, with track seven is pretty much like that intermediate song you used to break the album apart because it literally is like the same type of slow riff for like that three and a half four minutes and then just a bit of like talking and stuff yep. over it so it is a kind of transition so again lost in translation it might be nice and sweet it might be quite complex but the language is just there uh this one here the cult of black butterfly was very nice track uh it takes about a minute 30 to get into the song for it to get more intense um that guitar of the guitar is very much like this underwater very um, not I would say disorientating sound, but very unusual as well, with uh, a lot of darkness to it as well. There's some seriously good tapping sections from the guitarist here, and the strings from the piano sounds amazing. A very sad uh, song with some ooze from the keyboard, help portraying it as well. Um, yeah, some insanity from the um, the top vocal performance here, I think, with the guitar lines as well. It's just another really well paced song though, and uh, one that's uh, fine attention to detail. Yeah, I think they try again. Like the last couple of songs, is all about creating that mode and that yeah. mood and the feel. And they try, I guess, change just to be more of like an an evil undertone in this song. Again, mm. with like the different riffs and the different um, keys and lines of the guitar. And again, a bit more talking, a bit more screaming at times, get a bit of that pain and emotion across. So yeah, again, they, they, look, they've done it well to get that emotion across and make you feel the songs. Like so, they've done they've done well with that again. A bit of falsetto thrown over the top, which is freaking high falsetto as well. But again, yeah. it gives that intensity to the songs with the double kicks. And it gets again, it helps with the tension building, which is. Well, they do well here. Yeah, finishing off with Order of Four Parties with track nine, pretty much the oblivion for the protagonist, I'd imagine, but I'm not sure. I can only assume because it really does make you want to kind of like think about a story for yourself because if you don't connect it to the lyrics, I think the band does well enough to give you the parts for you to kind of create your own kind of thing into it, you know? Um, oh, the album really coming together kind of feels like this track takes all those elements from the rest of the album, puts it all together, and those sweet picking lines uh, was a welcome surprise, very clean from the guitarist. Yeah, I think they're right. Similar to track A again, creating the feel and emotion side of it. I guess it's classic symphonic blackmail. They they try to like wrap up the album and the emotions yeah. in the last song. Try to do like it's like a performance or like an opera. This is like the big finale. Not, I always say big finale in the songs like really epic. Yeah, and drums and sirens and bells and whistles, but yeah. just like they create like an emotional ending to you. Yeah, exactly. Get. So overall, Danny, the one thing I can say about this album, among all other things, first thing that came to my mind was ambition. This album is very much taking a gamble. It's taking, like the band admits, all these elements of extreme music, of the heavy side, the darker style of metal, 
but layering with that symphonic elements to give it a grounding nature so you still have a melody in there that you're not completely lost or the guitar is the only saving grace of the album there's a lot more going on here yeah no definitely right and it, i do agree as well what you said at the start of the thing how they try to get a lot of their um storytelling and stuff mm. into it and you i mean you can tell for starters that a lot of the times they strip back and they he talks a lot to it and puts a bit of pain and emotion to the voice and again trying to build up sections create a bit of evil undertones to help yeah. do the whole storytelling yeah they really got through to it we got through to me even though the yeah. language is there so I'm, i do agree with what they're trying to convey and i and they look even the language barriers there i think they've done quite well like singing opera you get the emotion side of it. You might mm. not know what they're saying, but you get the emotion side of these guys. You get the emotion side. You do. Get across yeah, it. exactly. It kind of like forced me a little bit to kind of get an understanding of what maybe was going on here, or at least transporting me into kind of like making my own kind of thing yeah. up. You know, my own stories up, which I think is the important thing about music as an escapism attitude. It's very much that this album, um, with the tracks being longer in nature and with being such riff oriented at times. I was a little shocked to actually have this work so well for me because the classic thing to do is the Opeth thing where it's like have heavy, have clean, then do one or the other kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. you're doing it, but these guys were like, no, nah, let's do it. Let's, let's create an assault on the ears and on the senses. And for the most part, I'm, I thought this worked really well for their favor. Having that symphonic elements being in their background the whole time or not the whole time, but where it needed was yeah. really important for this band to work so well. Yeah, definitely right. They they chucked in like little industrial sounds again, changing vocal styling, etc. Just to, and a bit of piano work, bit of yeah. synth, all that helped create the tones and create the atmosphere. And you're right. I think they did a great job of it. They didn't overdo it. Like nah. last week's Argentinian band, they were very symphonic. They're more symphonic than the black metal. These guys were more metal than they were symphonic. Yeah, that's right. Oh. But in saying that, however, these guys, the guitarists and the songwriting, should not be. Um, forgotten about because I think the sim there's a simplicity but there's also a technicality and they're known to do either one um, to help the songs embellish to help it to work out they're not throwing you um, things at the start of the song where you're expecting it to get better and bigger they're like they're deliberately doing a pacing where it seems to work really well intros are drawn out outros are helped embellished as well where I think a lot of bands that we've reviewed a majority of them to be honest really don't know how to end songs properly they're just like yeah. just finish it these guys here really give the attention they need. It's very much a classical influence to the song, you know. It's a very much uh, angry album though too. So there's a lot of pain, a lot of bleakness about it really well. And by the end of it, it's far more, oh geez, whoa, it's over, you know. Yeah, no, definitely right. It's it, There's a lot going on. Like you said, they transition the songs well, well-written, great melodies to help break it out. And you, like I said, the only really downfall is one, the language barrier, and two, the guitar solos yeah, are look, pretty messy. They're pretty messy, but luckily for them, they're, they're not very often. And then he does look, all his licks and his feels are, are fantastic. Yeah, it makes it weird. It and makes white, it a yeah. weird dichotomy that he's just not not sure how he's writing the solos, or maybe it's just not they're not transitioning well for us because I didn't really feel like it feels like they embellish the song as much. As I yeah, thought. it comes to the solos. It just feels like it's like a Kerry King solo where I play as fast as I can, and it's like, well, you don't just, have to. Just didn't feel right. Yeah, yeah it didn't feel right. But it, look. Then again, who cares? Like the songs as a whole are fantastic. They're immersive. They're long. It's 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 a surprise this album actually caught us off guard because it's actually a brilliant album, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, no, this is quite amazing. It's worth now being on a terror watch list of Australian yeah. America now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a delight for anyone who's into symphonic metal. Yep. But it does have a very bleak, dark, heavy vibe to it as well. So I think where bands in the past have done, tried to create this atmosphere, 
and got a lot of success from it, like Cradle of Filth, like um, Behemoth, like Jimmy Borgia. I think bands like this should get the um, praise for taking it a step further and really creating this bleakness, not just having an evil sound, but creating a vibe and a story where you're thrown into it and it's like, wow. So much like I, f- I find this album is comparable to a lump of coal like under extreme conditions you can create a diamond and i must think that being in belarus or russia or whatever must be a shithole list to be in to create such an amazing work i consider this work flesh of roots um from fatum cemetery to be a diamond man yeah because it's very like rough sounding around the edges and all that but inside the heart of this is some absolute brilliance from the whole band a lot of discipline a lot of focus and songwriting dedication to the songs um it's it's it would have been a daunting task for the guys and uh one that i just have to praise and as you can tell daddy we're gushing over it expect to be in the top 10 at the end of the year yeah definitely right i guess somewhat expected from the area because you have massive like classical music influences in yeah. Eastern European and it's there so, for sure yeah like, if you hear like all these Eastern European like national anthems they're so bloody epic because yeah. it's like composers write their national anthems like, wow this is like awesome so you yeah. expect them again mixing that classical training and the whole lineage there plus some of these living conditions are quite tough like you give from the Norway countries and, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah I find the best music in this style to be of people who are broken you know whether men or women <laughs> Ouch, yeah. they just have a life that's not working for them man you know and they're just constantly being thrown at how do you write stuff like this without having it and to really understand your emotions and to be in control of them before they are in control of you and this is what this album really is a story it is uh, a a testament to some amazing writing and um, it's difference between a band who can write for seven minutes and, and showcase their abilities, which I think Dream Theater can do and sometimes get right. Sometimes they can do a really good story, particularly the earlier stuff. Um, I really find the album um, and Metropolis Part 2, they do a lot of that where they write a song and it's a very good story. Um, but this for them is their, is their Metropolis, I think. This is a great album and um, it's... Danny, how can we get these people to buy this album? Because I find that they, that we recommend it so highly, and because we are a massive riff fan lovers here. Mm. What is it that people should really take away from what we're saying, so they can go at least check it out, like minimum, you know? Oh, jeez! If you if you want a balance of like symphonies and hard rock and metal, but like done well and done very epically and powerfully and emotively, yeah. So you actually get the connection with it. This is definitely something to listen to. It's not just like about having those elements in it but it's actually combine them all together and still again cross the emotional side part of it and yeah it's nah, it's definitely definitely worth getting two out of two I can't believe we've reviewed albums that for me hold up in testament to some of the best albums we reviewed oh, yeah, I'm yeah. talking like this is up there with uh, Flesh God Apocalypse's King yep. and Testament's um, Brotherhood of the Snake that yeah. good you know Sam Ayo's album last year as well uh, really these guys we've managed to find it two in two weeks yeah can we get three weeks in a row with a Dimmy Borgie? I think it's possible. It's like a trifecta of symphonic But I've black actually metal. Got, had yeah. another band that I wanted to oh. review. So oh. with, we have to leave them at that though because I think we're at the end of our show now, Danny. So we should uh, yeah. finalize it up. Well, And in the words of Fatim Setima, something Russian because I have no oh, idea. Oh, we're screwed. Oh, we're <laughs> sorry, guys. If you can give us an English translation to your lyrics so we can read along with it, that'd be super fabulous. But with that... We are at the end of our Super Metal Brothers episode this week. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to hear more of us, head over to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Super Metal Bro or our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com 
for Sassumel Bros. Yeah, and actually, in the words of Eurovision, which is on this weekend, yeah. uh, Belarus, 12 points. Belarus. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.